for all the people that are traveling and there are many and on vacation and with their families those that are unable to come today by virtue of some sickness some inability I welcome you into this moment of the word of the Lord and so as we will do in this house I ask everyone to just take a moment and focus their thoughts and their minds and their hearts toward the Lord there is a soberness in the spirit today there's a depth here and we're going to follow the leading of the Lord Amen. I'm reading from the prophet Ezekiel. Just when you find the book, just close your eyes and and tilt your head back towards heaven and just pray that the Lord would give you understanding. Pray that the Lord would help your heart. Oh God. Oh Jesus, mighty Savior, mighty Savior, mighty Savior, mighty Savior. You're in the right place today. You've come to the right location. There's not another place in the face of this planet better than the place where you're standing right now, ready to hear the word of the Lord, already feeling the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm reading from the book of Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 23. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor reigned upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst of her. Her priest violated my law. They profaned my holy things. They put no difference between the holy and the profane. clumped it all together. Everything's okay. Subjectivism. I'm helping you now. They haven't shown any difference between the clean and the unclean. They've hid their eyes from my Sabbath. I'm despised among them. They brought me down to their level. Her princes are in the middle of them. They're like wolves running after the prey to shed blood, destroy souls, to get dishonest gain or prophets dab them in 
untempered mortar. Just prophets are building things that are going to fall apart. It's not mixed right. A lot of vanity and lies. Here's what her prophet said. Thus saith the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. They're quoting God. He never even spoke that. The people of the land have used oppression, exercised robbery, vexed the poor, the needy. They've oppressed the stranger wrongfully. No love, no grace, no mercy. No welcoming, no hug. It's a problem with the land. Why is there a problem with the land? Because of what the people have done. Because what the people have done, it brought famine and desolation to the land by the virtue of the actions of the people. Not just any people, but God's people. Ezekiel's not standing to rebuke the heathen. He's not standing up to rebuke the people who've never knew God. He's talking to the people who were called out people, that, the chosen, the Hebrew people. We're not talking about the wayward. We're not talking about the Canaanites. No, we're talking about God's people did this. And it affected the land. And then God said, and I sought for a man among them. Don't get caught up on that gender. Don't get, don't get caught up. Don't think it's just, this is just for men. Please. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Amen. Now, if this is your first time to hear me preach, uh, then I, I'm glad that this is your first time. You're, you're, you're going to get me right down in the bedrock of my, my soul, my gut. If you need a little levity, I'll bring that next week. Amen. I want all of us just to, I want us to pray that the Lord would, would cancel and remove every other thing that is going to happen after we're done or has happened before we came. Just remove it from our mind and let's just pray right now with our hands and voices lifted up out of your own mouth. Let the, let the sound come from your own voice and just say, I need you, Lord clear my thoughts erase the whiteboard clean the palate of my spirit so I can taste the goodness of the Lord so I can taste I can smell it I can feel after you oh father speak to me someone say it speak to me Lord in my heart I'm not looking around at anybody else. I'm looking at my own life right now. I'm looking at me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I just want a couple men from the back. I, I see you in the back. Brother Mike Engel, I just want you to, I want you to just call out and shout out to God. I see you, Brother Mays, in the back. Just call out and shout out to God. Would you do both of you men? Would you just do that? I just, from the very back to the very front, I just, 
Let me let me hear you, Brother Mays. Let me hear you, Brother Mike. Let me hear you, Brother Mays. Yeah. I need someone in the corners. Come on, Shiloh, call out. I need somebody over here, call out. I need somebody in the middle, call out. Oh! Speak, Lord, your word to us in this house. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I know I'm provoking you to do things, but when you get there, would you just clap your hands unto the Lord? Would you just help me for a moment here? Yes. Lewis was his name. His occupation varied from season to season. But the place that he found himself in the current writing was not where he ever thought that he would be. Lewis was born in a good home, had a good family life. He described his childhood as a loving, caring, healthy home. He painted his home life with glowing colors. He was taught well. He was given structure. He was educated. He became astute, well-rounded with a promising career. He graduated from high school and then on to college and then graduated again and then he found what he said was the love of his life and he married her. He became a husband and then a father of of a few girls. Then, Then he became a homeowner. And as he progressed, he started a small business. He became a small business owner and then that grew. I won't labor on the details just to say that his rise and fall was detailed enough to give any onlooker reason to pause and consider the path of their own life. It wasn't a single slide, he once said. It wasn't a quick fall. But looking back It seemed so fast to lose so much. Lewis said, all the hope and promise vanished before my eyes. And looking back, maybe the saddest part was that I was barreling towards self-destruction 
and no one stood in my way. They were all there for my success, but there was no one to call me out in my failure. They just seemed to back away, and for my part, I lost myself trying to maintain whatever image I thought I had. And in the end, Lewis did lose it all. In comparison, the things that he lost didn't really matter. It was his wife and three girls, the daughters, the severance of their love, relationships, communication. He lost time. He lost them. But yes, the house was gone. The businesses closed. Both intimate and casual friends disappeared. Even Lewis didn't recognize the person he had become. He said, and I quote, It was a long way down, and even at the bottom, I kept falling. The narrator penned his words, and I quote, I suppose it would not have been so bad had Lewis started with nothing, had he never achieved or had a place of his own, had he never had a family. But losing what he had gained or what he had been given caused an unappeasable cavity without comfort. It was the last statement as he was living on Skid Row, sleeping under some deteriorating bridge that caught my attention. I quote, I was looking for someone, but no one stood in my way. No one cautioned me. They just let me go. After years of success and decades of victories and all the accolades... Our Bible declares to us that the nation of Israel became the antithesis of the dream they once held. King Saul's chaotic tenure was then followed by David's four decades of blessing. Solomon held it for a little while. All of it was hoped for even by older patriarchs like Abraham and Moses, the motivation of an aging Caleb. The land of Israel was given to them. It was their possession, a unique place for worship, sacrifice. The capital city where God said he would put his name. All of it spelled out in the canvassing valleys of the Kidron, the Hinnom, and the Tyropean. His name, the Sheen, was there. Hashem, the name, they knew it. So much was there, the promised place with rejoicing and worship, all unfolding around the knowledge of the omnipotent God, like the leather sheath encasing and an indispensable sword. They had it all. But in the height of their success, hinging on their obedience, they lost it in time. What brought them to their fame was forgotten. It was the Lord himself Perhaps the curse of much, too much, whittled away their hunger for God. They didn't need God. They had things. What looked like a blessing to them became a curse. The curse was not from God, just the inevitable devaluing of his law. The size of a person's hand is limited. It cannot hold judgment and mercy at the same time. And it cannot hold commitment and apathy At the same time. Ours is a limited grasp. It's all about him. Or it's all about me. It's his kingdom. Or it's mine. 
There's only room for one and for Israel. They left God and they sold off the anointed treasures and forsook the principles of the Lord. And then in time, as it always goes, greed replaced contentment. And in their case, the land never found its own Sabbath. Ultimately, and I hope you're hearing this with your spirit, with your heart, not just with your ears. The simplicity of sacrifice and godly order was given away for material things, which are always temporal. Can you hear me today? In time, the protection they thought that would never leave them did lift. God's protection vanished in the midst of their own desires. They never saw him leave. Babylon came first and took them captive. But not after Israel's kings just gave away all of their treasures. And then Persia took over where Babylon left off. So much was lost. So many souls lost by the hundreds of thousands. You see, years prior, Joseph embraced his father Jacob and 70 members of his family joined together. But that 70 grew into millions And 120 years after Pharaoh's daughter pulled Moses from the Nile River, Joseph took over and led the nation into the land that flowed with milk and honey. They held the promise in their hands. Grape so large. But as the years went by and the kings came and went, almost all of them corrupt from the the front to the last, almost all of them. By the time Israel went through that period of time, they were a shell of their former self. Babylon captured her and stole her remaining wealth without almost any fight at all. Babylon took the young and burned the rest. They ravaged their gardens and broke down her walls and the gates were dismantled and the temple was left in shambles. There was no gold left. Our text finds the voice of Ezekiel calling out to the people. He is a street preacher. Like a guy on the corner of any mid-sized city preaching sermons that are unwelcomed and often ignored. Most of them just walk around him, his voice bouncing off the pavement as people scurry by. He preaches the same message for the better part of 22 years. 22 and a half years. That's the same time I've been here. He's often redundant with a few sermon illustrations thrown into the mix. God makes him do this. God told him to lay on his side for 390 days. You can read in the Bible. He was only to eat a small portion each day, about eight ounces a day. Once the Lord had instructed him to shave his head and his beard just to illustrate one point. It was an unseemly sight for a man in that time. He was solemn, often dramatic. He wept, he yelled, pleaded, proclaimed, he prophesied. Ezekiel had no pride to hold him back. He didn't care what you thought of him. And it looks like in the Bible, he had no friends. Had no place. His pulpit was wherever he stood, wherever he laid. The message was all that mattered. Babylon had imprisoned the people. But when the Persians came, they granted traces of liberty. It was movement enough, just enough to feel free. Not really free. But Ezekiel, the self-proclaimed watchman for the house of Israel, preached. He looked straight ahead into the cold and the different faces of the people going about their lives. He joined the chorus detailing the rise and the fall of his own nation. And then he called out, turn from your wicked ways, he said. They just raced by, bowed their heads and looked away. Think now. 
They were in captivity, but they were not bound by the oppressor. The people of God are never bound by the world. They are bound by their own sinful, unrepentive, unconstrained heart. God's people, both then and now, are subject not to the elements of the oppressor. They're restricted by their own lack of commitment to the things of a holy God. And when the people of God are unrepentant and don't care about God, then he releases his hands and then they are constrained by the world. Then in succession, they and we are bound by the people and the things of the world. When we move outside of God's law, we are made subject to the law of men. Sin then becomes the decay, rotting away every good thing we've ever had. Are you hearing this today? I'm not a prophet. If I was a prophet, I wouldn't groan after the sermon is over. If I was a prophet, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have trouble sleeping at night because I'd have no vested interest. Because the real prophets had no vested interest. They didn't care what people did. I do. So I struggle a little bit looking at all the people, knowing that someone's going to watch and say, I don't know what he's talking about. Why is he all worked up? We're okay. Maybe we're not okay. Maybe the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of the prophet can come on me just for a moment just to declare a truth to all the people. We've got to wake up in the world. There's something happening to the land and the land is subject to the people of the Lord. Why is that? Why is it? I'll tell you why it is. Because history repeats itself almost entirely without interruption. History happens over and over and over again. And people say, how did that happen? Because history is repeating itself over and over again. And then another generation wakes up and walks in and wonders how it happens. It's already been written a hundred times over. Ezekiel writes with great specificity. He says, the 13th year, the fourth month, the 15th day. It would be our July 31st. If we went back in the Gagarin calendar, July 31st, 593 BC. He said, God spoke to me. God said, your leaders looted the lives of the people most vulnerable. Your religious people, your religious leaders violated my law so that no one knew a truth from a lie. I'll tell you what that, that is today. It's called your truth. You speak your truth as if truth can be, can be a personal possession. Let me just stand here and tell everybody, you never have your truth. There's one truth. Not yours, not mine. I didn't create it. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's what the Lord said. You don't get to have your own truth. You don't get to have your own interpretation. It's the Lord or it's nothing at all. It's Jesus or it's nothing at all. I don't get to feel my way into heaven. I don't have good intentions to get me there. I got to follow the word of God. He is the father. He is the Lord. He is the savior. He is the king. I can't get there by my own thoughts. I got to get there by the way of the word. 
I feel a little in this day. I feel a little spirit of denomination and religiosity. I want to tell you right now, this church is not going to save you. This church is not going to bring you to heaven. No church is going to do that. I'm not diminishing the church, but I want to tell you something. Just because you come does not mean you're going. You got to have a walk with the father. Somebody tell me that when the last trump of God calls, that all of us are going to go. I feel a real spirit of burden of sobriety in this house today. Come on, everybody. You are the church. You are, you are the bride. And the land is in turmoil. And the land is in drought. And, and Ezekiel writes, God spoke to me. And God said, your officials are after unjust gain. Really? It's almost as if Ezekiel is just opening up the newspaper of the middle of the summer in 2022. And then he says, ultimately, everyone is just out for themselves. Then he says, people pretend to have visions. And they say, this is what the Lord said, when I haven't even spoken. They make up their own dreams and their own visions. Why is that? Pride, arrogance, control over people's lives, no walk with God. I I prayed all day, this is what God showed me. He didn't show you that. I'll tell you why he didn't show you that. Because you're so far away from obedience and submission and the word. You made it up in your own mind. And don't ever think that the devil can't give you a vision. He can give you a vision. The Bible calls Satan the angel of light. He's going to come just like that. They said, the Lord showed me this. And God stood up and said, oh no, I never said that. The price is dreadful and the fall is far and long. And God spoke to Ezekiel. The nation is in a famine. The drought has left the nation desolate. One of the chapters is an allegory. One of Ezekiel's chapters is a complete allegory. And Ezekiel's writing, he said, You've turned your children over to idols. You've presented idols before them. He uses the word prostitution. And in reference in the allegory, it means you've stripped them of their innocence. You put idols, and not just idols in the street, but idols in your home. You've handed them idols so that they'd worship an idol. So that they have no relationship with me. This is what God's saying. Are we okay? See, the pastor is asking you that. The prophet's not. Your pastor is hoping you're okay. See, in the back of my mind, the shepherd is going, oh my, oh my goodness, what are you doing? What are you doing? And out of my mouth is coming the words of the prophet. In the back of my, in the back of my mind, I know when I get done with this and you all just walk away, I'm going to go back home and tonight about three o'clock in the morning, I'm going to wake up and say, oh my Lord, what did I just do? 
That, that's the devil. I know that's the enemy. It's okay. It's just what I have to do. But right now, I just got to speak the word that God gave to me. It's not for your entertainment. It's for our salvation. I'm looking at the land and it's, it's drought. There's a famine in the land. And the only thing that's going to heal the land are the people of the most high God. And there's a lot of looting of the vulnerable. And there's a lot of violation of the law of God. And there's a lot of unjust gain. And a lot of people are just looking out for themselves. And a lot of people are just pretending to be holy when they're not holy. And they're quoting things of God that God never said. And then God said, the land is desolate and the nation is in famine. And then God spoke. And I, I sought for a man. Someone who would stand up and be in the gap. I, I look for someone with a burden for the people. God said, I sought for someone to make up the hedge. To fill in the breach. But I couldn't find anyone. How could that be? How can the land, the nation, the sum of all they were. and How, how could it be that they were stripped and desolate? How could they have walked away? After all the wonders and blessings of God. And, and the sky and the earth. With water and food. How could they find themselves captive with no one among them that would call out for repentance? See, in time, they're going to grow comfortable under the Persian rule. Because they're going to learn how to live with it. It's a coping mechanism. It's just enough freedom. Just enough movement. But not really free. Just enough to get to church. To clap and to sing and see something. But not really, not really free. And God said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. Somebody who would stand in the gap before me for the land. That I should not destroy it. I didn't find anyone. God looks for people within his own people. He looks for individuals among his own congregation. He's looking for someone that would stand up and rise up. Now don't get tripped up on the word, on the, on the word men. He's looking for anybody. Of any age. Cause they're not one among them. This is what Ezekiel's saying. What about their families? The prophets had exposed them because the people did not teach their children and did not teach them to grow into a love for the Lord. In response, God warned the grandparents. He warned the mothers and fathers. Even at the judgment of Aaron's two sons who walked into the holy place offering a strange fire, the Bible says, that the Lord sent his own judgment of fire against them and he burned them up. And then God said to Aaron, don't weep over them. Don't cry over them. Read in your Bible. Just pick up their ashes and haul it out. And you'll think that that's indifferent and cruel. But God won't tolerate a strange fire. Because the natural inclination was to follow their wayward sons. And God didn't want that. Any old fire would do, they thought. They said, one fire is good as another. Those boys said, God won't condemn us. And their fathers and mothers followed their children down the path of debauchery. Because their fathers and mothers and grandparents, hear this now, would rather lose their faith than lose their relationship with their children. 
That's in your Bible. I, I don't know if I could do that because what am I going to do? I'll, I'll lose my relationship with my kids. I'll tell you what. You're not. You're going to lose more than your relationship with your children. You're going to lose your eternal destiny with Jesus Christ. Because you care more about the relationship with them instead of leading them in the paths of righteousness. Instead of leading them towards godliness. What happened was they didn't train their children. So when God looked around, he couldn't find anybody. History, that well-worn but discarded path. And then in the midst of it all, God goes on the search. And God, who knows all things, why would he say it? I saw it for a man among them. The Lord who knows all things. Surely it was not just because he, he didn't know. But he wanted to emphasize, I saw it for a man. Take a look at your scripture. Go check out on the south side of Elah. You'll find Goliath. He's a nine foot warrior. He's yelling obscenities toward the king of Israel and the army of Israel. Listen to the word of the enemy. Because they want to fight this little proxy war so that the whole army doesn't have to get involved. Israel, you stay there. and The Philistines, you stay over there. Let's just have two men represent and whoever wins. We'll just let that be the defeat or the victory. Listen to Goliath, what he says. Send me a man. First Samuel 17. But there is no man. The Bible says, and I quote, they were all arrayed for battle. That means they looked like they were ready. Men with armor, their swords pressed tightly against their side. Their daggers plunged deep into their leather belts. But at the sound of the enemy, they all just huddled around their respective fires and shuddered at the thought. There was no man. Abraham once bartered with God not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if he could find 100 righteous people living in those large cities. He could not find 100. How about 50, Lord? 40? How about 30? How about 10? In reality, there was not even one. There was no man. How can that be? Jeremiah once looked at Israel's impending peril as the Ammonites gathered to wage war against them. I'll read it for you. Pay attention now. Concerning the Ammonites, Jeremiah 49, thus saith the Lord, hath Israel no sons? Is there no heir? Why then doth the king inherit Gad, his people dwell in his cities? Is there not anyone? The question was not merely about male offspring. The question was, have you no warriors left? Have you no people with convictions? Have you not raised your children who can fight for the land? Hath Israel been here all this time living off the plenty but no convictions about holiness or godliness? Have the fathers and mothers and grandparents not protected their homes with godly boundaries and the written word of the Lord? God's asking Israel, are your sons so engrossed in the pleasures of the land that they want to fend the very thing that has given them all this joy? Hath Israel no sons? The enemy is coming. The walls are being crumbled. The famine is upon them. I sought for a man, someone to stand in the gap and make it the hedge, someone among them who would keep what I gave. Mm-hmm. At that spirit, that, that, that the powerful spirit, it's, it's like, it's like, just 
tempered my whole mind and body. The Holy Ghost has just tempered my whole mind and body because I see the land and people are going to talk about this person or that person or leadership. But the whole land is desolate and we're in a famine, a great drought. And so what we want to do is we want to blame that leader and we want to blame that leader and we want to blame that thing over there. But the answer is not in them. It's always been here. Because the land is reflective of the church. And if the church is not the church, then the land has no chance. Right after Paul told Timothy to preach the word and be instant, Paul offered an insight into the age to come. Paul said that the day would come when people, believers no less, we're not talking about the world, believers, would not endure sound doctrine. Now that word endure has been muddied up a lot. It does not mean that they they would not struggle with it. It does not mean struggle. It's not the same as our English definition and translation. In fact, our language cannot even really fully grasp that original translation because there's a multiplicity of of words that come from that the the greek word is anak amhi the closest we come is that they will be angry with it they won't endure they'll be angry with sound doctrine it 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 it, it projects an emotional outrage not an endurance it's a violent response, not just, not just bearing it. I just have to carry this. I don't want to carry it. No, that's not the response. The response is that it's not, it's not a shallow and surface definition. You have to dig deeper. It's an outrage. They'll be angry with sound doctrine. They'll be angry with preachers that preach the Bible. And then the rest of that verse says, they'll hire people to preach what they want them to hear. They'll, they'll heap upon themselves or they'll put out a resume. Now let me see if you're the kind of preacher I like. They'll visit church after church, finding the one that best fits their own profile. They'll find a preacher they agree with. Not a word that convicts them. In fact, if they find a word that convicts them, they'll be angry about it. And they'll say, how dare you tell me what to do? I don't even know if that's in the Bible. That's not my truth. This is what Paul's projecting. In the end time, they won't, they, it's not just tolerate, they'll be angry with doctrine. They'll say, I don't have to repent for what? I don't have to follow that. Why? <laughs> they who once believed, And should have received. Those who once were saved. Will no longer. Endure. Any doctrine. That confines them. Because no one rejects the truth. Hear this now. Like those who once had the truth. The world. Will never fight this. Like the half hearted. Individual. Who says they are a member. Of the church. The salt, ladies and gentlemen, cannot lose its savor. The light cannot lose its shine. 
the intercessor in this house must not be silent. And the pulpit cannot be purchased. Homes must not be unguarded or haphazardly ran. And prayer. My father's house will be a house of prayer. Prayer must not be forsaken. Because if you're not praying, you don't know what God is saying. And the waters of baptism cannot, be, or cannot remain still. They've got to always be flowing with somebody knowing that when I'm baptized in the only name of Jesus, he washes away all my sin. He makes me brand new. I've had the fortunate and unfortunate experience of traveling all around the United States for many, many years. And I've walked into one too many sanctuaries that have empty baptismal tanks. Because the church was trying to save water and didn't want to heat it every day of the week. If there's one bill we're going to pay around here, it's going to be the water bill and the heat bill for that thing. We're going to turn off the air conditioner. We're going to shut off all the gas. We're going to, shut, we're going to keep that going. Because if that's not going, we have no purpose here. If nobody is being regenerated, there's no reason for the church to gather. I'm going to tell you why you ought not come. You ought not come here just to see who's going to Cheddar's or Rio Hacienda or your favorite restaurant. You ought not come to visit with anybody. You ought not come to make a friend or have a social meeting. You ought to come because God is here and this is the church. And there will be worship and prayer. Now the pastor's coming out on me and I wish you would help me a little bit. I wish you'd help me a little bit because I desperately want you to receive the word. on new life you gotta rise up you gotta stand up God's talking to you he's talking to you Do we have any sons and daughters in this house? Are, are there any sons and daughters? Or did you give them an idol and now they love the thane more than God? What, what, what happened? Are you afraid that if you come to this house, you, you can... I, I've heard this before. You know, every time I come, I kind of feel bad. Well, then you got some messed up, corrupt heart. You got some issues. You got to love the truth. The Bible says, because they did not love the truth, God sent them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Who is he talking to? He's talking to people who had the truth. But they didn't love the truth. They got the truth, but didn't love it. You got to love it. You got to embrace it. You got to want it. You got to seek for it. You got to groan for it. You got to pray for it. 
What kind of church is this? I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about a campus. I'm talking about a group of people. I'm talking about people that know that there's one Lord and there's one faith and there's one baptism. Not because we thought it, but because we read it. God is seeking, is seeking for you today. Yes, ma'am. He's looking for you. But he needs you to be devoted. He's looking for a consecrated young person. Not a lukewarm person. This is your Bible. He'd rather you be hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, it's where a lot of people like to be. Not really devoted. Not really in the world. You know, they, they put their little dollar in every once in a while. They check off all the boxes. I came to church. I came to church. I came to church. Well, I'm there. No, no, no. That you can be lukewarm. No relationship with him. No walk. In fact, it was, if there was ever a time here, pastor, if there was ever a time when you were more on fire from God for God than you are right now, you need to get back to that time and lose yourself. And forget about what kind of clothes you're wearing or who's watching you. Who cares? Most people in this church don't care what purse you're wearing. They can't even spell Louis Vuitton. In fact, Tammy and I was in New York a few years ago and we walked into the store and the lady there in Chinatown said, said, what were you looking for? And Tammy said, well, I, I really like that bag. And, and Tammy said, is that a, is that a, uh, she said some kind of brand. I don't know what brand it was. She said, well, is that a, is that a, is that a Sh- uh, Chanel or is that a Louis Vuitton? And the lady said, it can be. I said, how can it be? She brought a little Ziploc bag of little emblems. And she said, I just glue it right here. Boom. There you go. It's a Louis Vuitton. I said, how much? She said, 50 bucks. I said, that's, that's a steal. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares what kind of shoes you're wearing. If they're blue soles, if they're red soles, if you got no soles. Nobody cares. What are you talking about? Well, I, I got an, I, I, I can't do that. You know, I just got this new dress. I got this new tile. Who cares? You got a God that demands all of your power, all of your power, all of your might, all of your soul, all of your heart, all of your strength. He's looking for somebody. I sought for a man among them, among us, that would stand up and say, oh no, we're going to build the hedge because the land is dying. The land is dying. Let me just help us. If you already know it, I'll remind you. If you're new, let me just tell you. We want to have a powerful move of God and we want the anointing that breaks the yoke. This is not set up for an in-person hookup place where you find your next husband or wife. This is the house of God. I don't care if you ever get married. Paul said, 
he wished everybody was like him. But because you can't constrain yourself, it's better to marry than to burn. I'd rather you be single the rest of your life and love God than to be married and never come back to the church. Now listen, I married a lot of people who promised me that they would never leave the church. And they would never leave God, but they got a lot of things now to do. And Israel hath no sons. And God's looking for you. And the time is short. And it's coming. And there... I don't care. When I preach like this, I know there's an outrage against it. I know there's, some of you may enjoy it. Some of you may, may receive it, but there's going to be a spirit that rise up and says, Oh no, you ain't going to tell me what to do, but I'm going to stand up here and say, cause the spirit of the prophets on me, if you don't get right with God, you're going to miss the rapture and you cannot afford to have heard all the truth. I sought for a man. Give me somebody. Tell me, tell me that you don't have too much to lose. Tell me you don't got so much that you can't lose it. It's better that you lose everything and be right with God and be devoted and be on fire. I'm looking for people that are on fire. I sought for a man among them that would rise up. I wish I could say a little bit to Lewis. We're going to get in the way, Lewis. You might be falling, but we're going to get in the way. You're not going to go out there and live like that without a fight. Come on, lift up your voice. Right now, the Lord is on you. He's calling for you to reach everybody. It wasn't by accident that you showed up today. It was the will of God. Let that Holy Ghost come out of you right now. I feel the spirit of the most. I got more to preach, but I'm stopping right here because I know that the Lord is in this house. I know that the Lord is doing the work. Come on, men and women. Come on, grandparents and mothers. Come on, fathers. Take the lead. Lead us. Yashayaba satadaba. Shakotorobo sotorobo shatayaba. Isondorobo shatayama. Hatadama shatadama satadama. Hikatadama shayaba satadama.
It's time for a change. It's time for a lifestyle change. It's time for a deep devotion so that nothing can get in the way. Nobody can get in the way. No offense can take you out. No trouble can take you out. No sickness can take you out. No worldly thing can take you out. No idol can take you out. Come on, reach out your hand and embrace it. Reach out your hand and embrace it. Reach out to God. Make a commitment to God. He's looking for a total consecration. Okay, the Lord has spoken. So we're going to respond like the young Samuel responded. Here am I, Lord. Speak, Lord. Here am I. Come on, say it. Here am I, Lord. Speak. Here am I, Lord. Use me for your glory, Lord. That's right. Respond like Samuel responded. When he called, when God called, Samuel said, here am I, Lord. That's right. That's right. That's right. Go remove those idols. Get those idols out of your house. Get those idols out of your life. Get subjectivism out of your life. Get back in the word. Get back in the altar. Get back to prayer. That's right. That's right. I'm going to be committed more than any other time in my life. I'm going to be more dedicated, Lord. Here I am. I am right here, Lord. I'm going to do it. No one's going to have to tell me, but I'm going to start a a powerful prayer meeting in my own life, Lord. I'm going to be faithful. Let everything else go, but nothing's going to keep me from the house. Nothing's going to keep me from worship. I'm going to make sacrifices I've never made before. I'm going to make commitments I've never made before.